This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're a small expression of the body of Christ. We love God, and because we love God, we love people, and we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. We've just simply recognized in the body of Christ that, that we're stronger together than we are individually. So we've chosen to link arms and fulfill God's purpose in the earth together, right? If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? It's to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And how do we accomplish that? Through community, discipleship, and outreach. Guys, I am so blessed. I, I know that our world is in chaos. I know that things are challenging, but aren't you glad that we are not of this world? Aren't you glad that we have been given the word of God and it never fails? Aren't you glad that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, never leaves us, never forsakes us? So what does that mean? That means no matter how much this world is shaken, we don't have to be moved. We don't have to be shaken. If you're shaken and moved by everything that's going on in the world today, you've gotten your eyes off of the Prince of Peace. Amen? And so three weeks ago, um, we started a, a series. I told you the theme for the rest of the year is expect the unexpected. How many of you know that God has never done things the way that humanity expects? Now, he keeps his word, right? The problem is we put our own expectations and timetables on his word. And then we get disappointed because God doesn't respond to our expectations, he doesn't respond to our timetables. His timing and ways are perfect, right? And so the Jews had been waiting on the Messiah for a very long time. You wouldn't think that Jesus would have been unexpected, but he was totally unexpected. So we started this series three weeks ago on Advent. And we've been talking about all the blessings that came with this unexpected arrival of Jesus. Now, as I've said the last few weeks, when we hear the word Advent, we immediately think of Christmas. We got an Advent wreath or an Advent calendar or whatever it may be. We think of Christmas, and, and, it's, and it, it's true, that's part of it, but there's much more. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means what? It means coming. It means arrival. And the holiday of Advent has been celebrated for about 1500 years and it's this annual four-week celebration that anticipates the coming or the arrival of Christ and so yes that obviously applies to Christmas right but there's more to it it actually refers to the coming of Christ from three perspectives so it is the coming of Christ born of a virgin in a manger come to he, he came he lived his life to die right to redeem mankind then we had the next coming that, that Advent anticipates, which is the coming of Christ into the heart of the believer who puts their faith in him. And then the third perspective of Advent and the coming of Christ is the second coming, which we're eagerly looking forward to. Amen? That's Advent. So over the last few weeks, uh, and according with some Advent tradition, we've discussed the first three of, of four gifts that we're thankful for through the coming of Christ. So week one, I talked about hope. And we talked about how in our world today, hope seems to be in short supply. But that should not be the case for the Christ follower. Because we have heaps of hope. We have an eternal supply of hope in us. Because our hope is in Jesus. We can find hope based on his word. We can find hope based in his character. And we can find hope based in his faithfulness. The next thing in the week two, we talked about love. Our God, 
Love is not something that he just does. Love is who he is, right? Our God is love. He gives love. And his love in the earth flows through you and me. It's part of the reason we're here, right? So hope and love. Last week, Pastor Sean talked about joy. How many of you are glad for joy? The gift of joy that came through the coming of Jesus. And she talked about how joy overcomes shame. It defies our circumstances. And joy is a choice in this life. And so today, we're going to briefly discuss the last gift of Advent that we are thankful for through the coming of Christ. And guys, this is a big one. It's peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. I didn't say peace out. Hang with me. Now, when we think of Christmas, we generally think of peace. We don't generally think of war, do we? They're polar opposites. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You know, we, we don't watch war shoot 'em up movies. We watch Christmas movies. Peace on earth, right? War is harsh and cold where you think about Christmas and it's about warmth and generosity. And the pain of battle contradicts the peace and the joy of Christmas. But this got me thinking about a story I think I told you guys, um, I think I mentioned in a sermon a couple of years ago. How many of you have heard the story of the Christmas truce? A couple of you have. Here's the thing. This event in history has always fascinated me. It occurred on December 25th, 1914. On a battlefield in Europe during World War I. And it was, uh, it was primarily on that battlefield that day, it was, it was primarily the, the, the British and the German. Uh, there, there was also a few French and, and Russian present, but it was primarily the British and the, and the Germans. And uh, on, on this, World War II at this point, things had changed. Warfare had changed because recently they had invented tanks and mustard gas and battle was ugly as it generally is so you've got this moment on December 25th in 1914 where the soldiers do something unexpected they do something out of the ordinary they take peace into their own hands and what happened was late on Christmas Eve they were all huddled down in the trenches Together, you had the, the Germans and the, and the British huddled down in, their, in the trenches. You've, you've seen that in the movies. You've seen pictures of it, right? They're, they're trying to stay alive. And the reports are that it started primarily with the Germans that night, on that, that Christmas Eve, that night. And, and so what happened was they're all huddled down trying to survive in their trenches. But it's getting late on Christmas Eve, and so they decide... You know, they, they want to celebrate. Their heart is longing for the joy and the peace of the Christmases they remember at home. And so, so what did they do? They had some candles, and they started lighting a few candles, the Germans did, and they placed them along the top of the trench. And they found some brush, and they made little Christmas trees. And they began singing Christmas carols in German. Now, what happens? You got the British over here in their trenches, and they hear these Christmas carols, and they immediately knew what songs they were. They were sung in a language they didn't understand, but they knew the songs. They knew the tunes, right? 
So a few of them started singing. They started singing these Christmas carols in English. Before long, they're singing back and forth these Christmas carols to each other in German and English, back and forth. What happens next? Well, early on Christmas morning, early on Christmas Day, a few German soldiers walked out on the field, walked out on the battlefield unarmed, and somebody shouted, Merry Christmas! There's been a few people that have uh, thought that they may have been a bit drunk, but that's aside the point. Allied soldiers were a bit distrustful. What if this is a trap, right? So they're slow to respond. But slowly they began crawling out of their trenches unarmed and walked out on the battlefield. And before long, there were hundreds of them. They were shaking hands. They were exchanging gifts. All they had were cigarettes and snacks and they were pulling buttons off their shirts and and giving them to the enemy and hats. And again, they started singing Christmas carols together. The The truce lasted through Christmas night and it actually allowed them time to collect their dead. They were dead all over the battlefield and they were able to pull their dead back across the battlefield, back behind the trenches and give them proper burials. And somebody even found a soccer ball And about 200 soldiers got involved in soccer matches for several hours. There were a few pictures that were taken on the battlefield that day, and I'll show you real quick. Go ahead to the next one. See the different guys there? I think there's a couple of the soccer matches as well. Yeah. There's one more. How cool would it have been to experience that? Imagine the hope and the love and the peace and the things that, I mean, incredible in the midst of battle and death, this happened. You can take that down. The Christmas truce was never repeated again. Senior officers made sure of that. They uh, supposedly threatened all kinds of punishments if anybody ever did such a thing again. But uh, on that day, enemies placed their humanity, their, their shared humanity before their disagreements. And they experienced peace for however short a time it may have been. In the same way, how many of you know that God can fill us and rule with peace within us even when we're surrounded by death and evil? No matter what happens. God's presence can permeate the deepest darkness. Amen? Doesn't matter the pain, how painful the circumstance, whether it's war, whether it's emotional situation that you find yourself in, God's peace can permeate that situation as you put yourself at his feet in his presence. You know, like Pastor Bob said a, a little bit ago, you know, we, we tend to view Christmas as this, as this season of joy, but how many of you know it's also a painful season for some folks, right? And... Maybe you're one of those. Maybe this season makes you remember somebody that you lost, and it's tough. Maybe it makes you feel alone and, and lonely, or, or maybe the season brings up memories that, that frankly, you just don't care, to, you don't care to relive. Maybe it makes you um, think of a, a battle that you're fighting in your life and just makes you want to hunker down like the soldiers in the trenches, whatever it may be. Maybe 
whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that your struggle is around Christmas time, maybe you've learned to put on a happy face, but down deep, you're just, there's a, a heaviness that weighs down on you, uh, you know, behind all the Christmas lights and decorations and everything else. And guys, here's reality. We not, may not be able to end today all the, the, the personal and emotional and, and even cultural conflicts that are going on around us, but we can have peace. Even in the darkest places, we can lean into and we can find peace in the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brought it into our world, right? And wherever you find yourself right now, I pray that you find peace today. I, as, as we continue on, I, I want to talk for a few minutes about, um, about the shepherds. How many of you remember, you remember the shepherds from the, the, the story of Jesus' birth? You know, in, in movies and, and plays and things we've seen, we always see the shepherds and they're kind of the... I don't know. They're always kind of portrayed as kind of the lower class of society. They're kind of the dirty guys living outside with the, with the stinky animals and, and, you know, whatever it may be. And, and in reality, they did kind of in that day, in Jesus' day, the shepherds did kind of hold a, a, a lower place. They were, they were considered kind of a, a lower class in society by the time Jesus uh, came along. But, you know, that wasn't always the case, was it? Because these shepherds were, I'm sure, devout Jewish men, and, and they, would have, they would have known the stories of, of their forefathers, of the patriarchs of the faith, who, who were shepherds, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and, and even Moses, and, and obviously even King David, right? Who, of course, Jesus was his direct descendant. And so, most believe that the profession of the shepherd had kind of fallen in esteem by the time um, Jesus came along, and they were, were considered a bit of a lower class. They had this, this humble, um, uh, boring kind of manual labor job, working with their hands, always dirty, and dealing with stinky animals all day. And so it's safe to say that during that time, most mamas didn't want to let their babies grow up to be cowboys, um, shepherds. Shepherds, they probably hoped more for them. So closer to the bottom of society, you had the shepherds. Guys, it was a class system. Closer to the bottom, you had the shepherds. Who did you have at the top? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and and all those like them, right? And they were all self-righteous in their morals and, and, and... and their power and, and even the authority that they had, but they made sure to keep everybody in this system, in the in the social, this, this caste system. Pharisees and Sadducees and the like were at the top. Everybody else was below them in descending order. They kept themselves lifted up by making sure everybody else stayed down. They believed that they were the ones with the direct line to God and his purposes for everybody else. So in this hierarchy, shepherds weren't expected to be contacted by angels. This was out of the ordinary. That was for the religious leaders. That's what the shepherds would have said. So imagine their surprise that night outside of Bethlehem when a light shone down around them as bright as the sun. What a cool night that must have been. Luke describes it. I'm going to read to you mainly from the New American Standard. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2 here for a minute. 
Uh, you can follow along on the screen. You can read from your Bible. We also have the YouVersion Bible app. If you hit more in events, it'll, it'll bring the notes up on your screen. But Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. What in the world is going on? Could you imagine being those shepherds in this quiet night on a hillside with the sheep? All of a sudden, this great light shines around them. This glowing dude shows up, and he's got a message. Next verse, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Guys, this had to shake them to the core. Can you imagine what that moment was like? But there was more. Actually, there was more angels, right? Verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And guys, for devout Jewish men, this message was probably as alarming as the appearance of the angels themselves. The angels were making a proclamation of peace to those upon whom God's favor rests. And they're making this proclamation to the shepherds. And I, I can only imagine what they were thinking. I, 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 if one of them had been kind of like Peter, the, if there was one like him that kind of spoke up out of turn sometimes and put his foot in his mouth, he probably would have been the one to say, you got the right guys. You sure you didn't get the, you know, wasn't supposed to get the next hill? Why are you saying this to us? Does God's favor rest upon us? You know what else I was thinking? I wonder what the sheep were doing. Great light, loud voice. I I don't know. They're known as dumb animals anyway, right? They spook pretty easy. Uh, maybe, maybe Maybe they didn't hear or see anything at all or... Maybe they were filled with peace. Anyway, however you look at it, this was completely out of the ordinary. This didn't happen to shepherds. It wasn't supposed to happen to them. Supernatural encounters with angels and promises of God's blessing and favor were for the super spiritual. They were for the religious. But as I said when we started, Jesus was very unexpected, Right? And so was the message from the angels. As a matter of fact, if you think about it for a minute, all those holy religious leaders, they were completely unaware of this birth and what was happening. You recognize they didn't get a birth announcement. Others did. They weren't invited to the manger to come see the Christ child and to bow before him. The announcement that was made to the shepherds would turn the world upside down. It declared God's favor is not based on human merit. And that changed everything. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and accept the gifts that we've been talking about. Hope, love, joy, and peace, which only Jesus brings. So, in just a few short moments, this angel appears... He gives this message to the shepherds, and and then they, as the lowliest of society, suddenly they have become the bearers of the good news of peace, just like that. Not the religious leaders. 
Guys, Jesus was already, brother was fresh out the womb, and he's already leveling the playing field and restoring people, bringing hope before he's ever said a word. And we know that, speaking of shepherds, Jesus used the example of shepherds a lot in his messages. As a matter of fact, he went on to call himself the good shepherd, didn't he? Said he loves and cares for his sheep. Restoration and wholeness and oneness of God is the essence of peace. So the knowledge that God made a way and that we can be in right standing before him should bring, should be, bring great peace to our hearts and our minds. God's peace is available, it's said, to all upon whom God's favor rests. Who does God's favor rest upon? Those who receive the Son. Those who receive the Messiah. Guys, aren't you glad that peace is not based on race or class or position or occupation or or any of those things? It's based on his love. What did they sing? They sang glory to God in the highest. They were declaring the prince of peace has come. But I want to talk about that a little further. Guys, this is the last Sunday in Advent. And so I'm going to give you three points to meditate on before we close. Number one, first thing I want to mention to you is God's peace brings wholeness. God's peace brings wholeness. Now, the Old Testament tells us that way back when, when when God gave the law to Moses, he also gave him kind of the roles and the duties of the priests. He also gave them a blessing. He gave the priests a blessing to speak over the people. Many of you know it by heart especially because of a song that came out last year. Numbers chapter 6. Lord bless you and keep you. Right? Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I was waiting to see if anybody would go, Amen. Just kidding. The Hebrew word used in that blessing and throughout the, 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 throughout the Old Testament that is translated peace Guys, it's the word shalom. And I would argue that peace is not even the best translation of the word shalom. It does mean peace, but it means so much more than that. It means completeness. It communicates soundness. Wholeness, success, prosperity, health, security, even deliverance is wrapped up in shalom. Kind of brings new meaning to that. Speaking a blessing, may the Lord give you peace, may the Lord give you shalom. It doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. It goes way beyond that. You, you, you thought shalom was a greeting, like hello or goodbye, no. No, Mr. Spock had it closer when he said, live long and prosper. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's communicating a blessing. It's communicating a blessing over somebody that fulfills everything in completeness and wholeness. This is the type of peace brought to us by Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the prince of shalom. He is the prince of completeness, soundness, wholeness, success, prosperity, health, security, deliverance. That's who he is. 
And it was foretold by Isaiah. We read this a couple weeks ago, Isaiah chapter 9. I'll read this again, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Shalom. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. No end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with the justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Guys, the Jews were waiting on the Messiah to come and, and, and bring Rome to justice. They were waiting. On, that's what they were picturing in this peace, in this shalom. They were looking in the natural. How many of you know that Israel, uh, they were a conquered people. They were subject to Rome. They were at the mercy of Rome. But they knew what shalom meant. They just were looking from the wrong perspective. The idea of shalom was absolutely fundamental in their culture and in their spiritual walk. But the complete, this completeness and this wholeness with God is what Jesus brought and what Jesus left us in the world. And it's because of that that we can sing, it is well with my soul no matter what happens. It makes no sense whatsoever to the world. But no matter what happens, no matter what storm comes, no matter what news you get, you can lift up your voice and you can say, it is well with my soul. And that's the peace that we celebrate during Advent. When Jesus returns one day, he'll heal all that's been broken, restore God's complete kingdom of shalom, and bring complete wholeness. So God's peace brings wholeness. Number two, Jesus is our peace. Let's break this down for a second. It's interesting to me that in John chapter 14, Jesus makes a statement, and he's close to the end of his life. This is just before his, his arrest and his crucifixion. He makes a statement, and he says in John 14, 27, peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Guys, this wasn't after he was raised from the dead. This isn't as he's about to send into heaven. This isn't a farewell. This is I'm about to go to the cross, and you guys are following me. So my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you do I give, but do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus knew what he was about to face, and he knew what all these folks following him were about to face as well. And so he gives them a gift that the world cannot give. He says, my peace I give to you. The world can't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. It's how... I imagine, so how imagine those early Christians, those Christians in the early church, the ones we read about from ancient historians who, under Nero, were accused of something they didn't do. They didn't burn Rome, but they were dragged into the Colosseum. And ancient historians write about that, about, about families in the Colosseum on their knees, holding their children as wild animals are unleashed on them. And ancient historians describe how these people would look up to heaven and they would lift their voice in praise as wild animals were coming to devour them and their children. That is peace, guys. Wow. What a way to go out. Let's go. Well, not today. <laughs> guys, 
This peace is not the absence of pain. It's not the absence of hurt. It's not the absence of disappointment. That's what we think it is. No, that's, that's, that's not what it's about. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. And he assures us that even in what would be considered the most hopeless situations in this world, that he is with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. His peace is his presence with us that never departs. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace. Guys, listen. The more we choose to live in and operate out of God's presence, the more inseparable we become from his shalom. The more we choose to live in and operate in his presence, the more inseparable we become from that peace, that shalom that he gives. Um, Verse 15, let's see, uh, verse 14 again. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having Uh, by it having put to death the enmity. We we talked about this a few months ago when we were going through through the the book of Ephesians and he's talking about Jew and Gentile and, and, and these different things. But here's the reality, guys. This peace between us and God, he also gives us peace between each other in the body of Christ. He unites us together in the body of Christ. Whether we're Jew or Gentile, whatever our background or walk of life may be, This peace unites us and brings us together as one body. This is a picture, shalom, of wholeness, of of security, of safety, restoration of all of God's people as one body. And and, and it's beyond. We think peace is agreeing to disagree. Well, we're just going to agree to disagree to make the peace. Guys, it's so far beyond that again. It's so far beyond that. His peace unites us. It makes us one. In wholeness, we are reconciled to God and to our brothers and sisters in Christ through Jesus. It's peace. It's shalom. So God's peace brings wholeness. Jesus is our peace. And the last thing I want to mention here, number three, God's peace transforms us and calms our storms. So it's Christmas time. Honestly, tell me, especially since most of you in here are adults, how peaceful has Christmas been since you became an adult? <laughs> it's not always the most peaceful time of the year. Wait, many of you would say, man, it's, uh, it's, it's busy and, and it's kind of hectic and, and frantic. And, you know, and these guys. it's so funny. I, I was with, um, last week I was with Pastor Troy from City Church. And we got together and we were, we were planning some stuff for next year together for us to do together with them and some different things. And, and uh, we, find, we set a few dates we're trying to plan. And I finally said, man, let's just get through Christmas. And he goes, yeah, it's so crazy. And so we got a few dates down. We're like, we're going to, let's, let's hold off. We're going to get together in January and, and get the rest of this stuff settled. The problem is it's not just this season that's so crazy and hectic and frantic anymore. It's become 24-7 with us. And it's robbing our peace. Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that's robbing your peace. You need to learn to say no to some stuff. 
Maybe it's a relational conflict or maybe it's a conflict on the job or, or maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you lost your job. I don't know what it is that's, that's stealing or robbing your peace. Uh, for many people, peace seems a long way off. It sounds like a great idea. Slowing down, peace. It's a nice thought at Christmas time. And guys, if that's where you find yourself, know that God's peace calms our storms and it transforms us. Encourage you that Jesus is there when the storms of life threaten your peace. He is there when love seems lost and the way forward is unclear. How many of you know even the disciples struggled with this? I mean, how many of you remember the story? How many of you remember when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee when the storm came up? A few of us were on the Sea of Galilee a, a, a couple of years ago, and, and it's amazing how calm it can be, this huge, massive lake, how calm it can be. And then another day we went out there and swam for a little while, and the waves were as big as the ocean. It was like, holy smokes. We got disciples who were scared. Some of them were probably born on this lake. This must have been a bad storm. A lot of them worked on it almost every day of their lives. This is a bad storm. There's some bad stuff going on, right? What happens? The wind rose. Waves rose. Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. All at peace. Until they go running to him. They say, what's wrong with you? Don't you know? We're in trouble. Right? We'll read it real quick from Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 to 39. It says, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, what? Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And disciples are all in, they're, they're standing there in awe. How of you know that we're a lot like those disciples sometimes? Things get tough, storm picks up, and what do we do? We start crying out, and God, don't you understand? You don't know what's going on here. God, wake up. Are you there? Do you care? We think he's not paying attention. Or he doesn't realize the magnitude of our situation. He just doesn't get it, right? And how you know, our own fear and anxiety adds to it and magnifies it even more. That's what's magnifying it. But in reality, God is there. He is God with us. He is always present. He knows what's happening around us and he knows what's happening within us. He sees beyond the waves. He sees beyond the wind of the circumstances. I'll make a statement. I don't know where I got this actually. I wrote it down, but some of you are going to write this down as well. Some of you, it might be a breakthrough. Sorry, I don't have this to go on the screen. But the power of his peace isn't diminished by the intensity of your storm. The power of his peace is not diminished by the intensity of your storm. We can allow him to fill our hearts with peace and with strength and with calm and with courage as we look to him, as we trust him, as we focus on him and his faithfulness. God will never leave us. He will never fail. And his peace is always accessible to his children. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. What are we supposed to do? Be anxious for nothing. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. No matter what you're anxious about, no matter what you're worried about, you got to bring your needs and your requests to God, to his presence. And he promises that as we do so, peace will swell within us. And what does it say there? It says he will guard our hearts and our minds. That's where we're lacking peace. He'll guard our hearts and our minds and our emotions. Against what? Fear. His peace transcends all understanding and all comprehension. That's why it doesn't make sense in the natural. People should look at us as storms are brewing and people are going through it. They should look at us and go, why are you so calm about this? He is our Prince of Peace. He is the giver of shalom. When we come close to him, when we draw close to him and worship him, as we connect with him, he transforms us and he changes our perspective. How many of you know what we lay our eyes upon is very important, what we focus on? No matter how bad the storm is swirling around us and within us, he can calm it and he can carry us through. You know, some of you have been through situations. I know we had a couple of families this year that sent their kid off to boot camp. That's tough. A parent's going to pray for peace, right? You know, I, we've got quite a few of you going on, on missions trips this coming year. And I know a couple of our kids are. But... Some of you know that our son Aaron is going for three months to, to Zambia for, for missions training. And guys, it's really surprised me. You know the responses I've got, gotten from that more than anything else from people is, oh my gosh, how are you and Shauna? Are you all okay? How could you let him do that? Is that safe? That's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. What? Isn't COVID bad over there? He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Well, what if the U.S. closes his borders? Then he's going to stay. I don't mean, don't mean that in a bad way at all. And he's going to stay and be more of a blessing. And his time there is not done. Well, aren't there risks? Well, yeah, can't you die in a car accident on the way home? Of course there's risks. I mean, you know, but there's more risks over there. There's risks over there that we don't have here. Well, yeah. Guys, I'll be honest. I, and people seem amazed, but we haven't worried in the slightest. Those things never crossed our mind until people started saying it to us. What if he doesn't come back? then I'll be crazy proud. What if he gives his life? Will you regret? I will not have regrets. No. No. It's peace, guys. What are we so worried about? The worst case scenario for us is that we go home to be with Jesus a little earlier. I mean... What are we so freaked out over in this life? It's peace. 
Nothing in this life is certain except the faithfulness of our God. Let me encourage you in this. In the final week of Advent, his peace is available to you. If you're overwhelmed and anxious and discouraged, receive his peace. Get in his presence. He's the one that gives it, not the world. Don't let the world dictate your peace. The world can't give it and the world can't take it away. Get in his presence and get some peace. He said, my peace I give to you. So why aren't you receiving it? Doesn't matter what winds blow or storms swirl around us. When you're in the middle of a tough time, it can seem like God's not with you. I know it. I know what you're talking about. It can seem like he doesn't care, doesn't understand the magnitude of the situation. But we've got to remember what God's word says. It outweighs, how, it, it weighs more, outweighs what we feel. When he said, I'm with you and I'll never leave you or forsake you. When he said he's given his peace to us. When he tells us that we don't have to be anxious and worry. He tells us not to. Maybe we ought to take him at his word. He is the prince of shalom. And he is there to restore us to wholeness. So be filled with peace. And allow his peace, as we just read, to guard your heart and your mind. And to fill you with the wholeness and the completion of shalom. And allow him to rule your heart as the prince of peace. May end with a, one last verse, a blessing. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance, in every possible way. The Lord's tangible presence be with you. How many of you receive that? Guys, that is what is celebrated on Advent. This has actually been a bit of an emotional series for me going through and seeing God with us, the gifts that God brings us through the coming of Jesus, the hope, the hope of eternal supply, a love that is beyond our comprehension, a joy that defies every circumstance, and a peace peace that surpasses all understanding. Guys, if that doesn't fill you up, and energize you and get you ready to take on this life, ready to take on this week, ready to take on 2022, (laughs) then you need to read it again. It's time for us to truck forward in God's purposes. Let's all stand up on our feet. I want to invite the worship team to come up as we close. Have you learned some things about Advent this month? Kind of cool, huh? Different perspective in the midst of the busyness and, and, the, and, the, and the kind of hectic, you know, atmosphere of, of the Christmas season. Let's bow our heads. First and foremost, if you're within the sound of my voice, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, whether you're there with the group at Rolling Hills today, I want you to examine your heart. I want to ask you, have you met the Prince of Peace? 
If you haven't put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus, you're missing the very most important thing in this life. There's no greater decision that you can make than saying yes to Jesus. Here's the thing. You know down deep within that you need him. You may out of arrogance and pride for a long time have even said, I don't need God. But your life is in turmoil. You don't know the right decisions to make. You keep falling flat on your face. You feel hopeless and alone. You're riddled with guilt from your past. You got all these things you're carrying because you've got a void in your life that you haven't yet allowed to be filled. And his name is Jesus. And here's the thing. We've all come to this place of recognizing, as the Bible says, that we have fallen short. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've messed it up. We, we had our chance. <laughs> but in reality, <laughs> we didn't have a chance in the world because we needed a Savior. Jesus came willingly as that baby in a manger and all those things we read about in his life guys it wasn't about all those moments it was great stuff he was declaring the kingdom of God but it came down to the fact that he lived to lay down his life for you His ambition was to live so that he could die in your place. And if you today would repent, as the Bible says, meaning it's not just saying sorry, it's turning from your sin and saying, Lord, I turn away from all those things in my life that are contrary to you. I turn my back to it and I choose to follow you from this point onward. Please forgive me way I've lived my life. The Bible promises that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness, makes you clean and white as snow. And yeah, it does mean that you'll go to heaven one day. But guess what? When you say yes to Jesus, eternity starts today. You become part of his family. He becomes your father today. And all the promises and the inheritance that comes with being a child of God is yours today. And that peace that he promises is yours today. And joy and hope and love, it's yours today. Not, not, not when you die and get to heaven. It's today. It makes life a whole lot easier on this earth. And yes, when the day comes that you close your eyes on this earth, when you open them, the first eyes you're going to see is Jesus smiling down at you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, that's you. And you say, you know what? My life is not surrendered to Jesus. You may have prayed a prayer before, but you know that you are not living your life for him. If that's you and you would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. They just lift up your hand. Anybody in here would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. You may be watching online. You may be sitting there right now at Rolling Hills and you're going inside. The Holy Spirit is tugging at you and you're going, oh my gosh, I've got to say yes to Jesus. 
I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray in just a second. And when we're done, we're going to have prayer partners up here at Rolling Hills. You're going to have Mike there with you, and you can talk to him and let him pray with you. And we're going to pray a prayer. If you mean it with all your heart, the Bible says you become a new creation. Old things are passed away, and everything becomes new. Shalom becomes yours. That blessing of shalom. That's you. Just bow your head, and you can repeat after me. You can pray something like I pray. It's not about the words. It's about the position of your heart right now. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I recognize that I am lost and alone. I recognize I've lived myself my own desires and dreams. I recognize that I'm sinful. I recognize that I'm spiritually bankrupt. I recognize I'm in need of a savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. I turn from it. I walk away from it and I choose to follow you. Jesus, I believe you died in my place and you took my sin and my shame and my guilt you took it to the grave but death couldn't hold you you rose from the dead and today I declare you as my Lord and I choose to rise and be resurrected with you this day Jesus save me be my master be my Lord Holy Spirit fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be I'll follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's you, if you prayed that, you've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell somebody. Whether you're here in person, like say, our prayer partners will be down here in a minute. Um, if you're online, shoot us a message. Shoot us a private message if you want to. If you're there at Rolling Hills, Mike is available. He'd love to talk to you uh, as well. But uh, guys, here's the thing. It's the best decision that you can ever make. And as Christ followers here, Guys, it's time to take some steps forward. It's time to choose to be filled with hope and joy and love and peace because that's what comes from being a Christ follower. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.